Hello, this is the Pod Goblin's Hat, a podcast about the Moomins. This is a bonus episode which is about the magic of the outdoors, practical mammoths, and killing the capitalist inside your head. I'm Nina, a person who loves to nap. I'm Dave, a person who people can't imagine napping. And today we're talking to Dr. Eleanor Yaniger, an expert in medieval history and fellow maker of things. On this show, we like our guests to define themselves. So it's over to you, Eleanor. I am Eleanor Yaniga, and I guess relevant information about me is I'm a medieval historian. I think this is linked. This is linked to the moments in a way. I do believe this to be the case. And the moments came into my life really, really early on, so I couldn't have been more than four years old. And my family had a collection of all of the Moomin books, like a little kind of boxed edition of them. And that for me was the inroad. So we would all kind of uh, budge in and get read together. I'm, I'm one of four kids. And so my parents always did a lot of reading to us at night and uh, Moomins were huge. And they would kind of like read us the the Moomin stories at various points of the year. So, you know, we would read Moomin Land in midwinter in the winter and we would read uh, Finn Family Moomin Troll in the summer because a lot of it takes place in the summer, things like that. And it's interesting because it wasn't until later that I sort of got into the comics and stuff because, you know, in the States where I'm from, Moomin simply just didn't have that much of a presence in the 1980s. So I'm not even sure how my parents came up with this through, you know, mysterious hippie ways, I suppose. I don't know. Like, in the way that that they did you know the movements kind of appeared but no one knew what i was talking about ever until i kind of got to uni and then the movements had become sort of like more popular and more well known but as a little kid it was absolutely my jam i was a child of the 80s and uh yeah my, i had hippie parents too all kind of non-conforming <laughs> in certain kinds of ways parents let's say so which moomin media do you think people should start with i started with the books as far as i was aware when i was a kid the books were all that it was it was just the books and i do think that it's a really lovely way in especially for kids you know because they really lend themselves well to being read to people they still have the illustrations and things on the other hand now when people say to me oh they're quite interested in the movements but they haven't read anything I've got, you know, the complete comics and that's what I give out. And I mean, that does the same thing, but in a really accessible, you can kind of pick it up and put it down way. You can kind of say, oh, you know, I'm going to read three or four and then, you know, I've got to get dinner on or something like that. Right. And, and you can kind of put it down and come back to it really easily. Having said that, I'm, I'm a real partisan to the books because, you know, that was it for me. And so I, I just I try most times if people are asking about it to get them to have a look at the books because I feel like they get forgotten a lot of the time. You know, people will mention the cartoons or, you know, particularly the comics and no shade. <laughs> they're, they are wonderful. Absolutely. But it's just the, the books have this special place in my heart. I guess the cartoons are very Instagrammable, very mm -hmm. tweetable as well. It's sort of already 
ready to be shared in a sort of very visual way yeah isn't something you can do quite as much with books yeah i suppose it is one of those things where i do have these kind of lo-fi tendencies even when it comes to stuff like social media you Mm. know i'm much more of a twitter person because i'm much more of a text person Mm -hmm. i suppose you know for me i really do kind of think in words and so for me i think that the the books are always just going to be there because what i want is that kind of block of text and i like it to be augmented Mm. with a little picture here and there which you know again i suppose is really medieval <laughs> you know i'm kind of like yeah that's what a book is but you yeah. want is an illuminated manuscript yeah i do i do there's something about the comics in that regard as well that they are very like you were saying you know they are like built to be memes or gifs you know yeah. like there's there's certain moomin's comic strip panels that i've got yeah. saved in my phone like ready to go <laughs> anytime there's fuss and misery in the world i'm sending that one anytime i want to talk about being a frustrated artist it's plant potatoes and dream exactly exactly things like that are so absolutely brilliant if a friend ever goes on holiday to the south of france i'm in there with like the moomins in nice right one of my favorite ones to use as a reaction meme is moomin papa saying mama where's my gun (laughs) so (laughs) which i absolutely love Comet in Moominland for this. Why'd you pick that one? Comet in Moominland, just my absolute favorite as a kid. I was like, oh, I better go read back up on my favorite piece of media, you know, <laughs> before I go, go tell everyone that I'm some kind of expert in it. And I don't know, I experienced it as though it was the first Moomin book, but apparently it's not. Apparently it was the second one. Weirdly, in the UK, Finn Family Moomin Troll yeah. was translated first, and then Comet in Moominland, even though they're the opposite way around in continuity. Okay, I feel better then. There was a book earlier than Comet and Moominland. Moomins and the Great Flood. And it wasn't translated to super recently. 2012. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. See, I haven't even read that. Now I got, this is great news for me. <laughs> oh, you'll enjoy it. It is good. I, I mean, it's very prototype Moomins. So the pictures and the text are still finding their voice. And it was written like during the war as well. Like, so it was like a very, it's a very strange book. It's in that very regard. 1945. You can feel the darkness <laughs> around her in the pictures. And they're watercolours as well, rather than ink and line drawing. Oh, I love that. So I went to um, an exhibition a couple of years back of her work at the Dulwich Gallery. And I, I was actually really taken with her her paintings, like her pre-Moomin work. You could really see mm. the Moomin stuff in there, but she had some quite dark and disturbing landscapes mm. and things that I thought were absolutely incredible it was the first one you read right i guess is what you're saying and that's one of the reasons that you picked comet and moomin for me it was just kind of the introduction but i just also love the way it unfolds every character you know you have these meeting sequences of snufkin comes up and now here's the snork and the snork maiden this really easy nice introduction it's um comparable i think sort of to like the fellowship of the ring You know, in that way where it's like, here's a character, here's a character, we're establishing what the group is going to be. And it does a really nice job of that. And it also has, you know, for a kid, all these like wonderful bits of mild peril, you know, like I was kind of like a a kid who I liked things to be spooky. And the whole thing with the lizard with red eyes in the cave full of garnets, I was like, this is the scariest (laughs) thing that's ever happened. You know, like uh, it, it, it really was exactly it's pitched so perfectly for like a child's ability to kind of handle danger and peril. 
that always sticks with me. One of the first things I think about when I think about Common and Moomin is, A, I think about swimming and then eating pancakes, <laughs> which as a kid, I was like, you can do that? <laughs> you know, like, imagine the delight of eating eating pancakes on the beach. And then the second thing that I think about is this cave full of garnets and, uh, you know, Sniff being compelled to go in and pick more and more garnets and this nice little parable about being too greedy because you, you don't know what monsters are in there. There's something in me as a kid, too, where I, I liked specifically this thing about garnets. I was like, oh, like, you know, beautiful stones. You know, when you're a kid, you like, well, I mean, I still do like crystals and stuff like that because my family is Czech also we've got the specific thing about garnets we have a lot of garnets in the Czech Republic it's eh. <laughs> anyway so like for me it, it just kind of like hit all these little buttons but at the same time you have all these wonderful little moments of magic it's got all these little tropes that just really push buttons for a particular reason and they really are a part of kind of our cultural understanding of things but they're pitched so nicely for well anyone really but for a kid to really kind of latch on to I think it's between that and uh, Moominland Midwinter, I think, that are my <sighs> my my favourite texts. I think Nina's not read Midwinter yet, though, so I can't, we can't mention. Too oh, you're much gonna love you're gonna love it. It's so good. Yeah, <laughs> I think it's the next one it in is, our reading yeah. series. I'll read it soon. I hope it hasn't been too bigged up. You know. <laughs> It's been bigged up a lot. Every time I tell someone, oh, I've not got to that one yet, they're all like, oh, and they want to tell me things. <laughs> I mean, and another reason that's a good one, I think, is because Lil Maya is kind of a, a co-main character. There's kind of two main protagonists in that book. Mm-hmm. Although Comet and Moomin Land is like before Lil Maya isn't in that book. No, yeah. But there is the Silk Monkey, right? Like, I think the Silk Monkey is kind of the prototype Lil Maya. I know. I think that's that's really quite apt because the Silk Monkey has that sort of like naughty, mischievous thing. And also I kind of think in a way, you know, sometimes you see that more from Sniff later on, but in Common and Moomin Land, it is, Sniff is just kind of like a little bit more foolish, but not quite so naughty. And then you have little Mai and she just exists at like the top of the naughty pyramid, right? So the silk monkey kind of does that same thing there. And I just thought the silk monkey was such a cool character and I still do. You're sort of like silk monkey. And it's like, oh, that's so exotic. Even in a world full of magical animals, right? There's literally something about a monkey being there (laughs) that kind of makes you sit up and take notice. There's something about it being a realish animal in a context that's strange. Yeah. She does the same thing with the ant lion, doesn't she? That it's a real thing, but it's decontextualized and now the ant lion is trying to eat Moomin Mama. Yeah, and it's a lion in the Moomin's books, whereas in real life it's a larvae, which is not as, <laughs> not quite as cool. What I love about the ant lion too is that it also retains that kind of like a scary peril for kids. So I was at the beach last Easter with my niece and nephew and my niece had just turned seven. Someone had, you know, dug a big hole as one does at the beach. And she was like, oh, ant lions. <laughs> <laughs> And I was like, oh, yeah, we better be really careful. <laughs> you know, I'm the kind of aunt who's like, oh, yeah, let's let's lean into it. It's scary. That's a good idea. You know? <laughs> a very valuable kind of aunt to have, I think. And a very Moomin-like kind of attitude to dealing with kids as well, I think. Which Moomin character do you most relate to? When I was little, it used to be Moomin Troll. Snork Maiden was always like, she just seemed a little bit too prissy to me. In our family, we had kind of like associations with them. So, you know, I've got a sister and two brothers and Snork Maiden was always kind of my sister. There was an ongoing joke when we first started reading these because my youngest brother was an infant and we used to call him Sniff My Diaper and we thought that was hilarious. <laughs> that was like prime comedy when you were four. Yep. 
Uh, <laughs> uh, now I think I'm kind of like a snufkin type of girl, but I suppose this just has to do with the fact that I've ended up like wandering around the world for most of my adult life. But I kind of wanted to be a little my in my heart. You know, I bite because I like to. Sort of deal. That's kind of the vibe I want to give off. Really, on the whole, I think that I just kind of like show back up at random points in time to people's lives with a bag full of random things from different countries. And so I guess that I've like, I've grown into Snufkin, which I'm pretty happy with. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the best options to like be like. Like, I, I aspire to be Snufkin, but I, I fear that I am Moomin Troll. <laughs> I don't know. These days I'm getting closer to self-actualizing my Snufkin side. I think that's what you have to do. I mean, I think I kind of fell into it. I never meant to be a Snufkin. And I remember when I was, it was when I was living in Tokyo and Moomins were everywhere. In Tokyo, right. you know, like Snufkin was uh, was their advertising beach holidays and things. You know, you couldn't get away from them, which was fine with me because I was like, "Way!" You know, like the, the entire time. The other Americans that I knew there were like, "What are you talking about?" Because they experienced the movements as specifically being this Japanese right. thing, right? Uh, which was interesting to me. Yeah. And I was kind of like, "Oh, wait, I guess that this is who I am now." You know, because Movement Troll was almost the one that was first introduced. I kind of just, I guess, wanted to be the protagonist. And there he was. Like, I, you know, you almost don't dare to be Snufkin, do you? No, right? right? Like, Indeed. But that's sort of the point of Moomin Troll as well, isn't it? Like, he's your point of view character. He's who you're supposed to pour yourself into first as a young reader. I think mm. he's deliberately not as filled in as the rest, but he also maybe is a bit more flexible than the rest. That like, He changes a bit more, doesn't he? He gets a little bit more development, whereas everybody else is already in their stock character. Mm. They are who they are. A lot more, I think. Oh, he's a moment Sue. <laughs> yeah, I, think, I guess that's true. I, mean, I guess that's true. He is. <laughs> I mean, certainly he's more affected by social opinion and convention mm. and stuff than than any any other character. I think, like he 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 kind of is sensitive to other people's social opinions. Mm-hmm. Whereas a lot of the characters, they're just themselves you can't change them if you could make one of those political alignment charts <laughs> with the various characters there are certain aspects of like for example moom and pop and snork maiden that are really similar where you know they go off on flights of fancy and they can be really quite stubborn and then there's sort of like things about you know moom and mama or snufkin where they're like well we're quite down to earth and there are certain things that need to happen in order to make everything work and then i think moom and troll is just kind of like somewhere in the middle of all that that's the thing is that moom and troll kind of exists to play off of all of these other characters and kind of synthesize that which is what he does really effectively but yeah i think that you're you're absolutely spot on here in that he's still becoming in a lot of ways which is actually maybe a really good thing right because that's one of the things that's nice about moomin troll is that he is changing and he does respond to other people and he is taking these things on board instead of just being a finished product well and that's the experience of being a child isn't it is that you're still changing so Mm. much and that you really can't hold children too tight into one personality you know you can't get too fixed ideas about who they are because they're going to change next week you know yeah. Something's going to happen yeah. and then there'll be someone else. And adults do this too, but I think it's much harder for adults to do. I think adults get much more mm. stuck, whereas part of being a child is the freedom to change. Mm. I think that's a really good point. Yeah, and, and that definitely is what Moomin Troll's doing. Like, Moomin Troll becomes vastly different, you know, at the end of every book from the beginning. And I think that that's, that's really cool. That's really gorgeous, right? There is this sense that you take these things on boards and you become something new, which is such a great lesson for kids, you know? Absolutely. 
if you could change anything about Comet and Moomin Land or the Moomins in general, what would it be? God, I just want more of it. <laughs> you know, like that that's like kind of the problem. It would be nice to see little Maya in there. I don't know. I'm a sucker. I, I can't help it. I just think she's neat. And this is one of the things that I like about Moominland in Midwinter, which, you know, just not to big it up too much. But it's nice that little Maya's there, yeah. right? Like, it's nice that it's little Maya. It's not Sniff this time. It's not like the usual kind of like, oh, here's a bunch of uh, bros hanging out kind of deal, which is what you get a little bit more in common in Moominland. It is a little bit more like the Smurfette thing, but with with uh you yeah. know snork maiden maybe uh, like a couple more women characters in there here and there but one of the things like to her credit that toby johnson does is has these these complex women who are like difficult and aren't necessarily perfect you know and they have good things about them but at the same time they're challenging you know even moomin mama who is like the rock around which you know everything gravitates and she's the one that she's keeping this whole damn car on mm. the road right but at the same time, she can be frustratingly stubborn or slow to react, you know, so there there are all these these small bits. Gosh, I, it, it's so funny because I think the movements are such a part of like my bedrock psyche and the person that I became yeah. that I'm kind of like, can you change <laughs> yeah. the movement? Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> in a kind of like personal totemic way. Yeah, I know what you mean. Because we're reading them in order. It's an interesting thing. Like halfway through the exploits of Moomin Papa, Tuve obviously just decides like, Okay, I've had enough of them all being boys. And like halfway through that book, suddenly everyone's girls. Like the first half, everyone's boys. And then once (laughs) that second half comes, and of course, Little Mai is introduced, like Mm -hmm. she just can't leave Little Mai and the girl characters alone then, which is great. And in fact, she just drops a lot of Quietly writes out half the boy characters. Sniff disappears, the snork disappears. (laughs) The snork is like one of the one of the more useless characters too. It's like he exists just to kind of like bother Moomin Troll. He's sort of like the equivalent of like 1980s plucky upstart comedies where there's like a preppy bad guy. That's the snork. <laughs> so I can do without him, frankly. I need Snork Maiden. Yeah. That's that's fine, but the snork you know. Yeah, like, no, for I'm sure. Not, I'm not mad when he's there, but what's he done for me lately, you know? I mean, I guess if there was anything I would change, it's slightly how the Snort Maiden is treated yeah. in Finn Family Moomin Troll at times. Mm. And actually, we had a conversation with someone who's a translator who'd read it in the original uh, Swedish and Finnish. And she was saying in the original, actually, the Snort Maiden is a little bit less, like, she's a bit more she's gutsy. This is how it was bit described. More active. So I wonder how much that's the uk's idea of girls yeah. being enforced on yeah. the snow that's maiden. a really good question mm. yeah and also and that's the thing like comet and moominland snow maiden's a great character and then the mm. way she's treated in finn family moon troll kind of changes how you remember her mm. so i always didn't like her i think as a kid and now as kind of a femme adult i'm like i should like her why don't i like her and then i look at that book and i'm like oh it's not her it's how she's yeah. treated her Actually, I do remember this being a thing when we would kind of go on to Finn Family Moomin Troll. And I was sort of like, you know, just kind of like make make a face about it, right? Because uh, she's she's cool yeah. in Common and Moomin Land. And you get introduced to her because she's in like wacky danger. It's really kind of exciting. She's running around with boys. She's doing the whole thing. And then you, you hit, you know, Finn Family Moomin Troll and she's just a wet blanket. Yeah. And the whole, the whole thing with the figurehead and her, like, the vanity storyline mm, around it's that. It's horrible. It's horrible. Yeah. I mean, it's quite a horrific idea, the eyes getting changed into wooden eyes. Mm-hmm. The horror fan in me likes that. It's very Coraline. Yeah. <laughs> but it's not great in terms of the message, I guess. 
You were saying that you think that medieval studies and history links into the movement. So what do you mean by that? Yeah, I think that it has these kind of same sort of ways of looking at adventure and looking at how that takes place in the outside world. So you have a kind of established home life, right? And you have the established village where everything is just, you know, magical things can happen, sure. At home, you know, de- depending on what hat you find and, you know, whether or not you put eggs in it. Yeah, absolutely. But there, there is this thing that uh, Comet in Moominland in particular does so well where it casts you in this kind of like rest of the world, this sort of wilderness that is kind of magical, mm. right? And that's really similar to medieval literature where you experience experience nature as vaguely magic and a potential for um, weird magic things to happen. So for medieval people, they would often write about the woods as these spaces of magic. And, you know, in the woods, there are question mark, you know, is it monsters? Is it uh, magical practitioners? Is it just a wild boar? (laughs) You know, things like that. But there's this real understanding of the woods or nature or these places that are outside of human habitation as having the potential for this magic and this adventure. You know, part of that's practical in the real world as well. You have stuff like outlaws and bandits there. You know, it's a world before police. And, you know, you can have just guys hanging out in the woods being up to no good. So these stories kind of reinforce that fact. Mm. But what you get is this really nice liminal space. And the other thing that you tend to get in medieval literature is what you see in Moomins. You know, if you look at like Arthuriana, for example, it introduces you to here's this group of individuals and then they all have adventures, you know, and they can go off and have their own adventure. And sometimes they kind of come in together and they they do these sorts of things. But you also get like really kind of silly, interesting peril as well. So, you know, like stuff like Sir Gawain and the Green Knight. It's like, here's this story where there, there's real peril and there's this real kind of like edgy kind of wondering and there's a lodge of magic. But Ultimately, Gwen's kind of put himself in this really stupid position where, you know, where you're sort of like, well, you made a mistake and now you need to kind of sort it out, which is really kind of common within the movement books where it's like, you've sort of fiddled something, so you probably need to, to go and, and see to that, right? Right. Oh, greatest of kings, let one of your knights try to land a blow against me. Indulge me in this game. I will be the. And also just comets, I guess, like, you know, the comets as this portend of, you know, oh, something's going on. There's something magical afoot or there's there's a problem that needs to be solved. For me, reading Comet in Moominland as a little kid and having that brought up, that's what helped me to kind of like understand it when it comes up in the medieval world. I'm like, ah, I know about that. And granted, all Toba's doing here is like reaching into the European playbook, right? And it's like, there you go, there's what that means and bringing it back up. But I, I love that, right? I think that's really excellent. And I mean, also just down to the fact that this is kind of like a story about trolls. Like we forget that Moomins are are trolls, yeah. right? And it's this nice call out to the kind of like the Nordic traditions about trolls, which are, you know, expansive. Yeah. It can mean all sorts of different things. You know, like, yeah, trolls are bad in, in a lot of respects, but they can also just be like weird little guys sometimes. <laughs> and so I enjoy like the weird little guy aspect of it all. I mean, that's the whole genre, isn't it? Like it's weird little yeah. guy genre. <laughs> Yeah, absolutely. Which is like one of my favorite kinds. I'm just like, oh, what you, what you know? 
and I always like respond really well. Like you know, in uh, medieval stories, you get that this too. But I respond really well to like writing about food mm. in in things. Mm. So I'm always like, oh, what are you eating? You know, and it's it gets like very exciting. Yeah. And, they, and uh, the Moomin stories do that really well. They always make uh, eating sound great. They're always eating. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's, it always sounds really tasty as well. Like whatever. Mm-hmm. nearly mm-hmm. always. I think we came we've come across milk with onion juice. Is what oh, yeah. Moomin Papa has when he's sick. So you, you know, like medieval history i mean do you know anything though about the kind of historical context of comet moominland and tuve jansen's life in general or is that outside your history time your history zone a fair amount mostly because i'm quite interested in her so you know it's one of these things where i wanted to kind of place her line on a timeline and it is really interesting one right because you know the story of Scandinavia or far north Europe, at least during the war, is such a different one right. to the rest of the continent, right? Where it is this kind of battleground, but not for the reason that people understand. And, you know, Finnish people have this really different experience to Swedish people, for example, and how evacuations take place back and forth. And it's really interesting kind of placing her and, you know, these escapist fantasies within that. You, you can really understand why, you know, cozy peril. Mm. is interesting right where it's like you have this kind of like controlled way of experiencing fear or why that would be seen as being beneficial for for children at this time you know you can really see the utility of it and one of the things for for finnish people you know is that they're always in this really kind of liminal space where they're between you know the russians on one side right And, you know, like the Swedes were always telling them what to do on the other. And then, you know, when, you know, the Nazis are kind of like in Sweden, then like, where does that put you? Well, it put Tuve and her father on different sides, didn't it? Yeah, exactly. Where it's just sort of like, how does one kind of deal with that? And, you know, especially her being, you know, well, what? I think we would definitely call a lesbian, right? It's like, you know, how you would fear for yourself as a queer person, you know, in this incredibly difficult time, like even on top of everything else, right? On top of just want trying to survive a ridiculous war and being somewhere in the middle. Right. You know? Yeah. Well, yeah, and her sexuality was illegal, you know, as, yeah, as well. Just illegal, you know. And, and you, you might enjoy this actually. One thing we came across uh, through doing the podcast is that the way that Tuve described her sexuality was she fully joined the spook side, is what she said when she stopped dating men. Wow, I love that. Okay, <laughs> we enjoyed that a lot. You know, they're very queer books in so many ways. You've mm. got non-binary characters in it, all sorts of things, you know, which is super exciting and interesting for, for the time it was written. I mean, obviously, sexualities are not new. Uh, genders yeah. are not new. <laughs> They've been around forever. Absolutely. But to modern eyes, we're surprised, I guess, especially when, you know, it was illegal and it was like mm. not spoken about, certainly in the, in the ways we speak about these things today. I think that's one of the reasons why the movements are quite important. And I think it's, you know, this is, I'm going to step up on my history soapbox here. This is also kind of the value of looking at history because we love to pretend that we are the people who've come up with, you know, anything. You know, whether it's like sexuality or gender, we're constantly pretending, oh, this is something that was come up with in the past 20 years. And that's really dangerous, right? Because it allows sort of the, the other side. It 
it allows kind of like the fascist and reactionary side to pretend anytime you bring up sexuality or you bring up gender or you you bring up all these varying ways of being queer and they'll use this oh it's a luxury belief like that's a luxury that we've just come up with now and it never existed before and so you know really this is all just kind of some form of you know hedonistic degeneracy that's only existed in our time don't go in for the this is the first time everything has happened and this is as good as it can get i refuse to go in with that we've got to bring everything with us and be making the argument for a more contiguous equal whole because of you know the long and interesting and complex history of of how gender works and every time uh you know a woman puts on a dress or, or something like that i'm like ha ha <laughs> you know? yeah <laughs> So we do something on our recap episodes called What Would Snufkin Do? And it's where we take a letter from an audience member or ourselves or the internet and we pose a moral dilemma to Snufkin and then we say, what mm. would Snufkin do? So if you were going to do a Moomin agony aunt or uncle or uncle, which Moomin character would you write to? <sighs> okay, so I think it either has to be Snufkin or Moomin mama. It has to, because they're the only practical ones, right? So it, de- <laughs> it depends on what the problem is. Because if the problem is kind of exotic, and it's more about what an individual can do in order to change the circumstances, I think that I would go with Snufkin, because uh, Snufkin is going to, you know, have had a strange experience somewhere. And he will say, okay, here's the thing that you can do and you simply need to go off and look for X thing and then this is going to allow you to become a new thing which will handle the problem. I think I would ask Moomin Mama if what I was having was issues around relationships or like interpersonal conflicts Mm. because I think Moomin Mama is really good at reading people and she's really good at kind of understanding the various proclivities of how people get on. I think uh, Moomin Troll, God bless him, he's the sort of person who writes in for help (laughs) Um, and like uh, you know you you would ask Snork Maiden things about fashion like you know you might ask Snork Maiden something about like you know I've got a big party coming up and I want to give off a particular vibe and she could give good exciting sort of like answers there you're spot on, I think, with Mimi Mama. I think that's really true. And and also she basically does operate as an agony aunt for most people who come into her house. And she gives them what they need. Like she knows that Sniff needs to lick the bowl to give to, for his anxiety. In fact, in like the invisible girl, she knows exactly what to do to help that girl become visible you know which isn't that a beautiful thing like it's that's such a lovely metaphor you know like what does it take to make other people visible right Right. and and it is that kind of like level of patient understanding and you know allowing that people like moom and mama allow to happen in the world and you know just kind of like the steady quiet force right that is focused on on others i think is a lovely thing and that's and that's what you want in an agony uncle is this kind of like outward looking kind ability 
I feel like Moomin Papa's like the one who would volunteer to be the Agony Uncle. He would think he would be good at it. And then he would start by giving a very long, meandering story about nothing very much. And then realizing he wouldn't have anything to say. It's because Moomin Papa's too much of a romantic, right? Like Moomin, Moomin Papa gets swept up in things. Moomin Papa is, is the one who's kind of like organizing a club. And like, you know, Moomin Papa is one of those people who can't slow down. You know, he's always swept up in a new fancy, which is yes. one of the things that's great about him. But that is the exact opposite of what you want when people are giving advice. You want people <laughs> who are solid, you know, and can kind of like nip down the line. The other things that we always do on the podcast is we we recommend a text or like, not doesn't have to be a a written text, a piece of media that has something of the spirit of the Moomins about it. Yeah, I've got a couple of answers for this. One of the things I wanted to bring up was like Studio Ghibli, which I think really inherits the same kind of ideas and ways of looking at things. And particularly in that, I think Howl's Moving Castle gives me real Moomin vibes because you have this sort of like same magical pickles that you kind of get uh, in, in Moomin world where it's sort of like, oh, I'm, I'm aged. And, uh, you know, the same kind of things, which is like, well, what's what practically needs to be done now? Like, who's going to clean this goddamn kitchen? Right. Like, who's cooking breakfast? You know, which is <laughs> you, you get these kind of like Moomin mama vibes from it. This idea that we're here's here's magic. We're all accepting that magic exists, but it has these downsides and these impracticalities that have to be managed. But I, I just wasn't sure if that was cheating because I was like, is this too obvious? I, I think it's a good one. <laughs> I mean, I would I would think that because I think I, I've also recommended Studio Ghibli for spirit. So I always like to be doubly verified that I'm right yeah. by somebody else. I think that also, I suppose if you're thinking about literature for kids, it reminds me a lot of Brambley Hedge books. Have you ever read Brambley Hedge? They whip. They're really good. <laughs> so, yeah, yeah, there's... <laughs> There's like lots of there's little mice uh, who are running around in their little mice world and it's all very cozy and there's kind of like a little village and the best bit about it is it's got these really excellent pictures that are kind of like cross sections of the little mouse houses so like cross section of a stump that shows you where every like room in 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 the stump is it's got that really kind of cozy thing it's big on food there's a lot of talking yeah, about food, food and drawing food an obsession with blamages was started for me with them. <laughs> And little kids sort of scrabbling around and you getting their knees dirty and stuff. But it really hits, you know, the same sort of connected community, kids who are kind of learning and growing, beautiful pictures. It's lovely. Like, I mean, I would sit down and read a Bramley Hedge book right now. I'd be like, yes. Nina knows the children's book because she really does know children's books. Whereas I'm like, know the films. That's very much how we split when we do these recommendation sections. So I'm like, I'm somewhere in the middle. This is good. You know, we've, we've got a spectrum. Yeah. <laughs> so the other spirit we do is so we do spirit of the moomins and then we do a spirit of the pod goblins hat which is where we recommend i guess another review show mm. of some kind another read through or another you know media looking at a piece of media yeah so i mean i'm just <laughs> i'm terrible so i'm just going to talk about you know my friend's podcast of course which, so i'm just going to like a <laughs> shout out my girls with an x g x r l s um over at kill james bond 
Abby, Alice, and Devin to great reviews of movies, which sometimes I'm allowed to do. I guess that what I really enjoy about it is that they are all having so much fun. And I think it's nice to have a kind of decisive analysis of gender. I think drilling down on that Mm -hmm. is fun. And also they have the right amount of fizzy enjoyment. So yeah, love a little bit of Kill James Bond. That podcast started out as just James Bond, didn't it? And then mm-hmm. they they ran out of films. And who knows, one, one day we may run out of Moomins. <laughs> James Bond is definitely not equal to the Moomins. Oh, mate, you are so spot on there. <laughs> not even close. Not even close. No. And you can t- go find Ian Fleming in hell and tell him I said that. Like, no. No. Mm-mm. I mean, I am definitely not a James Bond fan, but I am a fan of that podcast. That's the way that analysis podcasts are, right? It doesn't matter if you're a fan of them maybe some people listen to this show that aren't fans of the movements that would be weird like who are anti-movie see yeah because that see that's interesting right because it's like if you don't like james bond you might listen to a podcast about it yeah absolutely especially if it's called kill james bond you're like yeah yeah great that sounds good <laughs> But, you know, I just can't see anyone getting so worked up and angry at the Moomins that they come listen to a Moomin podcast. I mean, who's mad at the Moomins? It would be such an achievement, though, like, <laughs> to manage to get mad at the Moomins. You'd have to really work yourself up. Like- I'm sad to say I suspect that people, you know, who like to complain about diversity and various uh, things. Yeah, exactly, right? There's, but they shouldn't because yeah. it's very pro-smoking and that is very un-PC. I've never smoked myself, but I will uh, admit that smoking is both sexy and cool. And I think that like the Moomins was kind of like one of my first introductions to the fact that smoking is both sexy and cool. And I was like, damn, yep. you know, yeah. like there's no question that that's there. So when, when we have a guest on, we in general want to give guests an opportunity to tell people about their stuff and how people can find your stuff. You know, in particular, I know you've got a book out. Oh, yes, indeed. So I have a new book that just came out here in the UK. It is called The Once and Future Sex, and it is an analysis of women's roles in the Middle Ages and now. Basically, it's a very long polemic rant about how we just don't treat women very well (laughs) with uh, with rather a lot of uh, medieval history thrown in there. Um, So that's brand new and on the shelves. If you are a Moomin comic liker, though, I also have a comic book, which which is called The Middle Ages, A Graphic History. That's out on Icon. A comic I made that teaches you what I hope people will remember a year after they take one of my introductory medieval history classes. Like that's what I want people (laughs) to take away from it. And I also have my own podcast like everybody else does. It's called (laughs) We're Not So Different. And it's a medieval history podcast where we also talk about modern history. Is there anything that we should have asked you or that you'd like to expand on or emphasize before we go? I mean, not really. All I really wanted was a chance to yell about how much I love Common and Moomin. <laughs> <laughs> I hope we provided that. Yeah, I just love Common and Moomin Land so much. Here's one thing I could talk about. You know, when I think about, you know, wanting to plant potatoes and dream, one of the things I find really interesting about Suva is she's just like me for real in that it's like she's constantly like always having like, you know, moon troll kind of opine lazy opinions about just wanting to sit around. I'm like, same, yeah. me, yes. And then she's always <laughs> also working her ass off. Yes. Right? right. Where it's yeah. like, how did you write one of these a week? This is so <laughs> difficult. And then like also paint a bunch. And then also you've got the books. And then, and then and, you know, it's um, a kind of like relatable slash cautionary tale, I think, especially for those of us out here in the world making weird little things, right? Which is like what I do. I make weird little things, right? And uh, I can get so caught up in it and constantly be working and working and working that I lose sight of the fact that genuinely the thing that I want to do is take a nap. 
know? And so I think that there's the, the, like, what happens in the movement world, it really treads this kind of fine line where it, it provides you know, an idealized uh, place where you kind of are allowed to goof off. And yeah, sure, there's chores that need to be done. But like, let's let's kind of get the bare minimum done. And then, you know, we'll we'll see what happens after that. And that's not exactly the reality of the person who's creating them. So I think that we just have to be really careful to recognize that we kind of intruded on on someone's ability to have a little bit of peace to have this this nice and wonderful thing. And, you know, I just hope that maybe I'll learn from this. I probably won't, but, you know. I mean, we've we've talked about the Moomins as sort of like a workless world, that it's maybe a little bit of an imaginative experiment in what a workless world would be like. But we also mm. know that she got really sick of the Moomins, mm. Um, mm. you know, that she wanted to stop doing it, that like asked years and years later, oh, don't you miss them? She was like, oh, do you ever miss your toothache? Yeah. Yeah. And it's like, like incredibly relatable where it's like you have this thing that everybody wants, you know, and and everybody absolutely loves it. But my God, if I had to do that every week, you'd be you'd be sick to death of it, you know. Is it any wonder she moved away to a little island with her girlfriend and didn't want to be bothered? Like- I mean, yeah, which is like so relatable, <laughs> yep. you know. Incredibly relatable. I mean, and yeah, it's it's really interesting you say that as well, because I think I'm similar to that. I'm always like you talking about how it's wrong to work and like how, you know, we should, you know, do a lot less. I, but I am kind of infamous in my circles of being like really productive and hyper productive mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. uh you know i'm I'm against that politically but exactly right it's like <laughs> i i have to i have to kill the capitalist in my head you know i kind of like i don't believe in work for anyone other than myself who has to do it as a form of penance you see uh so <laughs> right, right yeah yeah it's it, it and it's a real problem right and i use stuff like the movements to kind of ideate about this world without work a cozy you know connected sort of ideal but is that how I behave? Mm-hmm. No, I just work. That's all I do. It's yeah. not good. It's not good. And I know that about myself, right? Where's my island? You know? Like- <laughs> yeah, islands for everyone, right? so much for doing this and uh, it's been really great to hear your thoughts on Comet and Moomin Land and medieval history and everything else that came up today yeah thanks for, for being a guest on our show yeah thank you so much for your time thank you so much for letting me come on you have no idea what a treat this is <laughs> If you'd like to find out more about Eleanor and her work, you can find her book, The Once and Future Sex, and her comic, The Middle Ages, A Graphic History, at most good bookshops and some of the bad ones. And you can listen to her podcast, We're Not So Different, wherever you get your podcasts. And... If you're in some ways Moomin related and interested in being a guest on the show, you can get in touch at thepodhat at gmail.com or at thepodgoblin on Twitter or Instagram. Until next time, make sure to force as many books on the children in your life as possible. Bye! Bye! Bye!